0: So good, we get to do it again. (laughs) I like that. There was a strong man at a circus that every evening he would perform, he loved to show his strength, and at the end of his performance, doing lots of different things to show his strength, he got a lemon, and he took the lemon and he squeezed it with strong, big, strong hands, and all this juice began flowing out, and squeezed it as hard as he could. All the juice came out, and he said, I'll give $200 to anybody who can come and get just another drop out of this lemon. An elderly lady came up. She was in her 80s, and she was very frail. She needed help to get on stage. They helped her on stage. She grabbed that lemon, and she began to squeeze it with her frail, skinny hands, they were shaking, and all of a sudden, a whole tablespoon of lemon juice came out of that lemon and the strong man gave her the $200, and a little later on, he was just curious, like, how in the world did you do that? And she said, practice, my friend, practice. I've been a treasurer for my church for 42 years. <laughs> uh, there were a couple of men who got stranded on an island. One man was pacing back and forth, just wondering whether he was going to live, they were going to be rescued, and the other man was just reclining soaking in the rays and the man who was who was so upset asked the other man how could you do that aren't you afraid that we might die and and the man said very confidently replied like no I make a lot of money I make ten thousand dollars a week and I tied every single week to to my church he said he said it's stewardship month at my church my pastor will find me <laughs> I've got more but I'm gonna stop there yeah, we're going there today, just so you know. We are going there today. I want to make a statement that's going to make my finance team in the room squirm. I'm going to make a statement. Hope Church doesn't doesn't, doesn't need your money. Hope Church needs you to look more like Jesus every single day. Okay. Okay. All right. That's where we're going today. We really don't. God doesn't need our money. This church does not need your money. Our mission is not to gather money. Our mission is to know Jesus and make him known. To make disciples and make disciples. And to plant churches that plant healthy churches. That is our mission. So many times we miss our mission. Now, not that giving is not important. I'm going to spend some time talking about it, okay? But hear the heart behind what we're going to talk about today. The heart is measuring something that we can't hold in our hands. That's what we're going to talk about today. We've been going through a journey, and and the reality is that we started Easter Sunday saying, this is love, that the most loving thing that this world will ever know and see is when Jesus crawled upon that cross and paid for your sins and mine, the sins of the world, and he crawled out of that grave. Three days later, victorious over death. That's the most loving thing. So we said every week that we need to look up. And a few weeks ago, we said there's three specific ways. Today's the third, that, that it changes the way we see and live and breathe in this life. We said that as we look at Jesus, as we look up, we see our approachable Savior. Jesus was always welcoming people to himself. No one was ever pushed away except for those who thought they had it all together, the religious people. He had some things to say about them, but he was always welcoming those who came with need to him. He is the approachable Savior. So we said this, because of that, if we look, look up, the people of God, the, the church of God, those who proclaim to be in Jesus Christ should be the most approachable people on earth. We said last week that the same is true of the opposite. We are to be approachable, but we are supposed to be the most truth-saying and living people on earth. That's what Jesus did. He was approachable, but he never wavered on the truth. He was always speaking the truth. He was walking in the truth. He was living in the truth. And so we should not only be the most approachable on earth, we should be the most truth-speaking and living people on the earth. And today, our message is this, is that we, the body of Christ, should be the most generous people on earth. We should be the most generous people on earth. On earth. N.T. Wright said it this way. Jesus summoned his hearers to the real revolution, which would come about through his people reflecting the generous love of God into the world. I love that. That this is the mission. We are to go into the world and bring and reflect the generous love of God into the whole world. Viva la revolution, right? I mean, we are here. To bring revolution to this earth. But it's not just a revolution of kindness, although that is part of it. It is a strategy for changing the world. It's a revolution strategy, this that God has given us. It's not just about making the world better, it's about making the world new. It's about making the world new. Generosity is not just about making people think we are good and nice, that we should be known for being good and nice people, by the way. It's about helping people see that God is good, that he is kind, that he is compassionate, that he is generous. And so what we're talking about today is give like Jesus. He is our approachable Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's such a generous, generous king. So generous is he to us. Abundantly, astonishingly, astoundingly generous. All we have to do is look up and see that this is love. As I thought about that, you can be turning your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be reading from there in a little bit. As I thought about this... I ask the question to myself, self, how is Jesus generous? Because it's a little different. Because when I think of generous, I think about, kind of my jokes introing this, I think about money. But we don't really see Jesus having any money, do we? We don't really see that. As a matter of fact, we don't even see him having a means in his ministry at all. He's always being provided for. God provided for him through others. And so, as I thought about that, it's not really for him about modeling what it looks like to be generous with our finances. It's about a little, much deeper than that. In the three years of ministry, Jesus relied on so many others and so many different ways that God provided for him, and and without any earthly possessions to speak of, he spoke many times of our possessions and of the possessions of those around him. We see him tell others in Luke twelve to give away their things. He told his disciples to give away everything, is to drop everything, to give away everything, and follow him. We see him praising the widow for giving just a little bit, but there was so much for her, affirming that gift as an act of generosity. We see him providing food out of a few things, multiplying that and providing it to the masses. So the things mattered. He was providing and taking little and making it a lot. We see him changing uh, at at a wedding feast, a a poor family that didn't have enough wine to go around. He, he, He turned the water into wine so that they would not be shamed. You see, he was sensitive to things, but... It wasn't about for him. It wasn't about the money. So, how was Jesus generous? Go back to my conversation with myself. Well, I just made a list. He gave up his glory, he gave up his freedom, he gave up his time, he gave up, he gave him himself emotionally, poured himself out to people all the time. He gave up his vocation. We forget that. <laughs> 30 years of life, he gave it all up to pursue his mission. He gave up his reputation. He gave up his friendships. I mean, even his family, he completely left them to pursue this mission. In both life and death, he gave his love we did not deserve. He gave his life. He gave his life. You see, as we look at Jesus, we see a generous king. A generous Savior. God the Father is so generous to us through Jesus. Just that very verse that we all have heard before. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. You see, that's who God is. And that is what he does. He gives and he gives and he gives. That's what it says in James 1:17: Every generous act, every good gift. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. In Romans 8, verse 32, Paul says, He who did not withhold his own son, but gave up for all of us, gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Jesus emptied himself totally. And so as we look up today and we see that this is the love of Jesus, we have to today realize that we are to model We are to model that generosity the same way that Jesus lived while on earth. Today, I hope today, as we look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 6, that we can learn from our master in living a generous life. And Paul is not speaking specifically here about Jesus, although we're going to get to that. He's speaking about generosity here. But at the end of it, we're going to kind of realize, ah, yes, ah, yes. So let's read. Second Corinthians, chapter nine and verse six. I want to read verse five, it won't be up here. So what, what Paul is doing is, is, he is he is taking these gifts of the Corinthians. He wants to make sure to go before them and make sure this gift is of the right heart and the right spirit. So he's trying to make sure that this is received and given properly. So he said in verse 5, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangement for the generous gift you had promised. They're going to give this gift. So he sent an envoy to make sure that they're giving it in the right heart. It's not about the amount we're talking about here. It's the heart behind it. And then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So verse 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. I love that. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, quote out of Psalms, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase. I love that. Not only does God supply, but he increases your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be, my version says, enriched. To give, to be generous is an enriching practice, discipline in our life. On every occasion, every time we give, we are Enriched, So that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He's just saying, because of your gift, here's what's going to happen. Because of the service by which you approve yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience in the companies that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else verse 14 and in their prayers for you for their in their prayers for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you and here's where we come back thanks be to God for his indescribable gift and we need to hold on to that because that's a Jesus statement there that last one, verse 15, is talking about the gift of Jesus Christ. So a few things here. We have a garden this year. I've learned that in order to get a harvest, you have to plant seeds. And that's what Paul is, is saying there. Is like if you want to, to sow sparingly, if you do that, you'll just have to expect a little. If you sow a lot or bountifully, then you will expect to get a lot back. That's a simple illustration that Paul uses. And it gives us two things. It first gives us first this, how not to give. Paul describes this very clearly. He doesn't beat around the bush here. He just says, here's how not to give. And that is sparingly. And if I were to use that word, spare my life, what would that mean? That would mean, let me keep it, right? Right? Let me keep it. Spare my life. Let me keep my life. If I were to say spare no effort, it means hold nothing back. Withhold nothing. Spare no effort. That's the word spare that he uses. That, that verse that we read, James 1.17, every generous act. Oh, sorry. Romans 8.32, he who did not withhold That's the same word that's used here, withhold his son. God the Father did not withhold his son, so he gave him. He did not hold him back. He didn't keep him for himself. He shared him. And so to give sparingly is to give from a heart that deep inside wants to hold back. Do you get that? That's what Paul is teaching us here. To give sparingly means that that we're not giving to give, we are giving to, to hold. There is a gift, by the way. That's what he's telling them. Thank you for the gift. There is a gift, but what's on the inside matters. The real feeling of our heart, giving the wrong way, is not to think of how much we can give, it's how much we can keep. That's giving sparingly. How many of you guys have ever given sparingly? Just raise your hand. I have. I'll raise my hand. That's a carnal thing. It's a carnal thing. It's a fleshly thing. That's how not to give. So then he describes in verse 6 and verse 7 and following how to give. In verse 6 he says to give bountifully or generously to give purposefully that you need to purpose in your hearts to give intentionally to give cheerfully that word bountifully in the original language means to give because you have been given to is to bless because you have already been blessed and so you're giving out of the abundance out of the extra and I love that word cheerfully give the word is, in the Greek, you probably heard this is hilarious. We get our word hilarious from it. And as we think about that, we're like, man, that's a weird thing that we would hilariously give. But what does that mean? That this world, when we see, when they see our generosity, they would kind of laugh at it because it's so generous. That's hilarious. Given, giving, it means, specifically, it signifies the readiness of mind and the joyful spirit that comes from a life of giving generously. And so I'd ask you today, which of those two hearts do you have this morning? A heart that gives to keep or a heart that gives to give? As you grab your notes, I'm going to be quick today. As you grab your notes, I want us to get three things that are so important out of these verses that we realize that that we are to live a life of generosity. We are to be the most generous people here on this earth. The first thing about generosity is this. Generosity is not about an activity. It's about an identity. It's about an identity. We find that in verse 7. In our passage, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. That is something that starts on the inside. It comes from who we are from the inside. And where does that cheer, where does that bountiful spirit come from? Fast forward to that that statement that I ask you to hold on to in verse 15. It says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Where does cheer come from? It comes from Jesus. Where does that generous spirit come from? It comes from Jesus. And so if we're giving as an activity, we'll never be giving in a way that pleases the Lord. But if we're given out of our identity in Christ and seeing him, having been transformed by him, that's what Paul's saying is, look, look at why you give. What's the deepest motivation for why we give? The answer to that is that Sunday school answer that we always gave as a kid. The answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus, right, in Sunday school. The answer to why we give should be Jesus. And here's the truth. Giving more will never lead you to be closer to Jesus. But being closer to Jesus will always lead you to give more. I want to give you that again. Giving more will never lead you to be closer to Jesus. But getting closer to Jesus will always lead you to give more. Hmm. So generosity is not about an identity, about an activity. It's about an identity. The second is this. I mentioned it a little bit before. Generosity comes from a place of abundance, not a need for it. But let me describe that just for a moment. Generosity comes from a place of abundance, not a need for it. We're not talking here about quantity, that's not what that phrase means for me. That's not what I'm giving you. We're not talking about the amount of giving. We're talking about the quality behind it. And so generosity comes from a place of abundance, not a need for it. Because there are two types of givers. There are those that see God as taker and those that see God as giver. And those are two distinct, different things If we see God as we give, give to wherever, give to the church or wherever, as God, I'm giving you this and you are taking it, that's completely different than realizing that everything that we have, God has given us. And so God is is the principal giver. You see, the difference between those two is the prior gives out of what he or she hopes to become, that when I give, I'm going to look better to God. I'm going to be more righteous to God. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to look better in front of other people. And as if we're trying to earn something. But giving will never earn us anything in the eyes of God. Because there's nothing we can do to be more right in God's eyes. You're already right in God's eyes. We spent almost the whole year last year walking through the book of Romans. And that is the truth of Romans. That you will never be righteous outside of Jesus Christ. But if you are in Christ, you are completely, sufficiently righteous in the eyes of God. And so, whether you give none or give little, if you are in Jesus, you are right with God because it has nothing to do with you except the one that you trust in. And so, we give out of abundance, not for what we hope to become or get, but give out of who we are. Because here's the truth Jesus is sufficient, He is our sufficiency. So generosity is not about the gift. It's about Jesus who leads us to give the gift. He is our sufficiency. We already have all that we need in him. We don't need accolades. We we don't need to be recognized. We don't need to be lifted up. Why? Because we already have all that we need in Jesus Christ. And we give out of that. We don't need any worth out of our gift. We already are considered worthy because we are in Jesus Christ. We are worthy to be loved, worthy to be accepted, worthy to be his children. But here's the truth. Before we can pour ourselves out and give, we must be filled first. Listen, you are filled that's what Paul is saying. You give out of the extra. You give out of the abundance. And as you do that, God will continue to bless abundantly and give all that you need. He'll give all that you need. How do you get filled? Sunday school answer. Give it to me. Jesus. Exactly. You're with me today. I like that. Again, how do you get filled? Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. What does that mean? If you come today empty, if you come today needing to be lifted up, if you come today feeling stuck, if you come today hurting, if you come today in depression, if you come today needing to be valued more and loved more and filled, the answer is: yes. Yeah. Give it to me again. The answer is. Hmm. Yes. Paul David Tripp said it this way, It is one of the big ironies of the heart. If you give your heart to seeking satisfaction, satisfaction will be the one thing you'll never find. Your heart will never be satisfied in things. No, your heart will be satisfied only in the giver of the things. If you seek happiness, happiness will elude you, he says. We don't seek satisfaction hoping that God will deliver it. No, we seek God and the result is satisfaction of the heart. And that's what Paul is teaching, that the reason why we give, the motivation behind what springs us to give and give generously matters. And when we give because of Jesus and who we are in him, our identity in him, and the generous nature that he extends to us, I mean, it completely transforms the motivation behind what we give and the product and the amount of what we give. You see, Jesus is the generous king. That leads to the third thing. Generosity is birthed in the heart, but it is expressed in the hands. So here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. When when you see Jesus as the generous creator, savior, when you see that and, and you internalize that, truly see Jesus for who he is you will not be able to help but to act on it act on it it's almost like if we make a we make a shift that that you know a magnet has two sides before we were in Christ, we want to keep things, like it's sucking things out of the world, and we want to consume things and bring it in. But in Jesus, it's almost as if those good things that he's already given us, we want to give it away, propel it out. We call that love. This is love. We want to love the world as Jesus did. He just gave, and he gave, and he gave. I knew someone like that once. I graduated college, and 2001. And I went to seminary at Baylor working on my master's degree. Some of you guys are Baylor Bears, Sick them, right? Woo. Yeah. Don't want to mention that other maroon school cuz you guys make all kind of noise. <laughs> so I was working on my master's degree in seminary and, and I moved to Waco. And a job as the interim youth pastor opened up at First Baptist Lorena, Texas, just south of Waco. I was 21 years old, and I, got my, I took my first church at 17, so I've been doing this for a while, 23 years ago, and so 21 years old, I stood up to preach my first sermon there. The pastor was so gracious to let me stand up and, and preach. I got through two sentences, and I couldn't say anything. I was stumbling. I was hurting, and you got to know me. like You may not know this, but I'm an introvert. Like, I truly am. Like, so, at that time, to get up in front of people, I was so nauseous. I'm not now. I'm not going to throw up right now. But then, <laughs> like, like where I met Jennifer before then, I met Jennifer at a church. Like, I literally, before I preached, I really threw up before I preached there. That really happened. I, was, I didn't feel good. I was nauseous. And then I, I felt a calm come over me. And I finished my message that day. About a week later, I got a letter in the mail. He was from a guy named David Ivy. Now David was a unique gentleman. He was about 55 years old or so at the time. And David could hardly walk. And his hands were like this. He could not speak. He had muscular dystrophy. He was a special man. And he wrote me a letter. And he gave me a painting. And I wish I had the painting. I couldn't find it. Maybe one day I'll bring it and I'll show it to you because this is a true story. This is not a a preacher story. This didn't really happen, all right? This is true. He wrote this letter that I could hardly read. You can just imagine (laughs) like this. In his own penmanship, he wrote this letter to me. And it began to describe what he saw in that sermon that day. What I saw was just a 21-year-old really stumbling over my words gasping for the help of God to get me through it, and he did. But what David saw was something completely different. And I can't explain this. Believe me, I cannot explain this. But what David saw was the spiritual realm that day. And he described the enemy and demons working. Like, literally, he saw a demon. Like, I don't know what that looked like, but this is what he wrote to me in his own penmanship. Okay, And the demons were attacking, trying to to deter people from hearing the truth. And at that moment, he saw an angel come behind me. And the demon was gone, and the angel lifting up my hands. And that is the moment that I felt the calm. Weird stuff, like this, woo-hoo. It's like, man, didn't expect that in the getting sermon, did you? A calm come over me. And he painted me a painting with me behind the pulpit with an angel's outstretched arms behind me. Now, I want you to know something. This is why not only is that a cool thing, like, yeah, it's cool. That's a true thing, by the way. Tr- spiritual realm is true. And there, are, there is an enemy and there are demons that don't want you to hear the truth. And there are angels of light that are very active. And that battle is going on even right now in your hearts Amen. and in your mind. whole different sermon for another day. Here's what I want you to get out of that. I think of David Ivey. I wish I could clone him. Think about it. A man with muscular dystrophy who could not hardly... He couldn't hardly walk. His hands are like this. He could hardly move his hands. He regularly wrote me letters of encouragement. Now, for me, I type a lot. I hate writing these days. I just don't do it anymore. In my mind, when I start writing a letter, if you ever get a note from me, know that that hurt. Like... (laughs) I don't use my hands anymore. I don't have that, that. You know that little groove that you get when you write a lot? I don't have that anymore. But I think of David. Think about that. A man who has no dexterity. It took him hours to write just that letter that he wrote me. I think about that painting. What a generous man. That, the painful thing that does take the time I don't know how long it took him, hours upon hours, to paint this small painting for me. And he gave it to me. When I thought about generosity, I thought about David, who endured the pain, who looked past his own battles and saw Jesus. And he always had joy. This man always had joy. You see, When we see Jesus, generosity is birthed in our hearts and it is expressed in our hands. And that is what the body of Christ is here to do. We get to give because our Savior has given so abundantly and completely to us. We get to give. And so hear me. Hope Church doesn't need your money. We need people to see Jesus for who he is and look more like him. And when you do that, you'll be a generous people. And by the way, may I affirm you today? Hope, the Hope family is a generous people. Now, we've got room to grow, every single one of us. But we are a generous people, not just money. Now, you are generous with your resources. Keep doing that. And those of you who aren't, and you're missing a blessing. It's not about need. It's about missing a blessing and walking in the identity of Christ and being faithful to that. And so many of you give so sacrificially of your time. I think about those people back there. And don't look back there because they'll, be they'll, they'll, be, uh, they'll get pink and red in the face. But, but like, we don't even see them on Sunday. But everything that happens on here up here happens because of hours of tireless sacrificial work. Of people right now there's a sea of people over there preparing, slicing our brisket, or maybe they're not, they're gonna slice it when we get there. Preparing all these things. Why because they're servants? When y'all come on, y'all get people that come and serve you on golf courts. Why those people serve completely? We have people that give so many hours every single week. Why? Because we're a generous people. It's our identity, it's who our king is, and it's who we strive to become. We truly do give of our time. We give of our talents and we give of our treasures. Let's keep growing in it, my friends. My whole family, let's keep pursuing to being generous in our compassion of our community, generous of the kindness that we show our neighbors, generous in in, in the way we live out our lives in loving ways, serving people, generous in telling the truth to people in love, and generous in our giving. The band's gonna come. We're gonna close a little differently today. If you feel like giving like financially today, there are some ways that you can do that. I don't have the bulletin, but you can go to our website, you can text to give, or you can drop it in the offering box on the way out. But just go and be a generous people, because Jesus is so generous. Today, we have a very practical way we can do this. You can be generous with your time over the next hour by just staying here. I don't take that for granted. You can go lots of places. You can spend time with lots of people. But would you be generous by just hanging out with us for another hour, hour and a half, have a good lunch, and thinking and praying about being generous to a worthy cause? Our students are going to go to the youth camp in just over a month. And we need scholarship resources. We need resources to send our sponsors, our adult sponsors to go. And so all of what we're going to bring in will go toward that cause. And so we have a way today that we can practically... Do the very thing we've been talking about. So, if God leads you to hang around, do so. Give with purpose, give with generosity, give cheerfully, give intentionally toward a very worthy cause. Now, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray for the food. We're just going right in, because this is not the end of worship. Our worship is extended into that other room. I'm gonna pray for the food, and here's what we're gonna do we're gonna sing a celebration song before we go. Don't be in a rush to go get the brisket yet. Some people can go, kind of go in waves because we have to go and we have to check in. And for those who haven't paid, we have to pay. And then they're going to slice some brisket for you and give some pulled pork if you want that and give you some other things. And we're going to find a place to sit. There's a hundred and something people that'll be in that room. It's going to be fun and loud. And then we're going to auction off some brisket. That's what we're doing. Okay. So stick around. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We don't deserve your love. Not a one of us do. And not a one of us is even more deserving than anybody else in this world. But God, enter your grace, enter your mercy, enter your love. And so, Jesus, we thank you for being generous to us. I pray that we would grow today from the bones, the core of who we are, God, that we would be a generous people for your glory. God, that more people might know who you are. Just to think about even what we take in an offering today, that that we send 10% to support missions all around the world. God, what a cool thing. We give generously because we know that you'll bless it, just like Paul was talking about to the church of Corinth. And Jesus, we thank you for food. What a gift. We love food. Thank you for family that we get to share it with today. God, would you bless our conversations. God, would you bless every dime that is brought in to support our students and them growing in the likeness of Jesus. We pray. We celebrate you today in your name.